to always get the latest Game Tea, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us at Twitter at Game Tea Podcast X. You can find us on Facebook at The Game Tea Podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at The Game Tea Podcast. We post frequently, giving you podcast updates, posting gaming news, and the occasional meme. Check them out after the show, and thank you so much for listening to The Game Tea Podcast. everybody and welcome to another episode of the game tea podcast my name is jp this is zach and i'm czar okay so today we are bringing back a segment i guess it's been probably about three months since the last time we did this one it is an episode of answering gaming's biggest questions so who decides what a big question is jp i mean (laughs) apparently you do (laughs) correct me if i'm wrong but the three of us are considered gamers right would you say we're pretty big gamers i'm a yeah i'm a big old gamer (laughs) i've been told it's an addiction (laughs) well first of all what's it like to not have had sex and second of all (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying that like as gamers there's a bunch of questions floating around from all the multiple games that we've played and there's some shit that needs some answers and I don't know about you guys, but I'm mad as hell. JP, why are you always so mad? <laughs> I don't know. It's just like a pent up aggression from the week just comes out at you two. I don't know what to say. Yeah, screws are. <laughs> Where did I get into the mix of this? I'm salty now. <laughs> and besides, we have three big questions in gaming to answer today. And I only thought of one of them. So you're dropping the ball, dude. <laughs> still one more than Zar. Oh, Czar. <laughs> Why do you fail me so often, Czar? I don't know. It's like a superpower. <laughs> JP, what is uh, gaming's biggest questions? What are we doing this here uh, segment? So in answering gaming's biggest questions, we ask three general questions about video games, and then we just have a discussion. And you know us. We're all about the friendly, respectful discussions. I won't tolerate anything less than that. Screw you. Pretty sick of that. No, we need to start being mean. <laughs> so I take the shirt off. What was... Th- we can't see each other. What's that going to do? You're scared now. You feel it? Do you feel my pecs looking at do you? Do you feel the energy? <laughs> um, my shirt was already off. <laughs> my pants. I knew something felt off. <laughs> you can smell it from here. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> so that's it. We've got three general questions about video games. We're going to talk about them. We're just, we're going to discuss them and we're going to see what you think after we're done. Now, who would like to read question number one? Zara can't read, so I got it. <laughs> Is it wrong to cheat in a single player game with no ramifications on multiplayer? Ooh. I'm the one who thought of this question. Is it wrong to cheat in a single player game with no ramifications on multiplayer? Does this have to do with a certain game that came out in March? This, oh this came my, from? yes, it really, you, <laughs> you, you can read me like a book, Zach. Why for one cover, dude? I get it, bro. I get I it. <laughs> I cheated at waifu uncovered. <laughs> you cheated on your waifu? JP. <laughs> okay. No, it's, um, you're right. It's Animal Crossing that made me think of this question. It was the buzz around Twitter at the time because If you don't know about Animal Crossing, it doesn't work on an arbitrary, like, in-game clock. When things in Animal Crossing happen, they happen with the real-world clock. Like, if you plant a tree, it takes four actual days for the tree to grow. Well, you can cheat by going onto your Nintendo Switch's uh, settings, and basically, you plant the tree, you go into the Switch settings, and then you just make the date four days sooner, and then bam! your tree is grown but you can use that to get more money in the game you can use that to have things built quicker have events happen faster and it's a big thing amongst the animal crossing community as well isn't that kind of ruining the game a little bit and people are actually pretty divisive on the subject so uh, where do you stand in all this jp um i have time jumped before <laughs> Wow. I just really wanted that bridge. I wanted the bridge so bad. You guys heard him. Get him. (laughs) Get him. Bravo Team 6. 
You're cleared. So I, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do in Animal Crossing. I only time jumped a couple of times on the slower days where not a lot of stuff happens. But for like 95% of the game, I actually waited the real amount of time you're supposed to wait for things to happen. Because I, after time jumping, I realized that I didn't have the same amount of gratification playing the game because I wasn't pl playing it properly. And that's why I kind of think, yeah, it is kind of wrong to cheat in a mold, even if it's a single player game. You know, if it has something to do with the story, like, am I wrong? So JP's a cheater who's kind of repentant. <laughs> no, that's not what I said. Zar, where are you at? Well, it's really funny that you bring up this time jump because this is not a new concept. In fact, in a couple games, this was an essential concept, namely Ratchet and Clank, where you could get into the secret developer's room only at 3 a.m. on whatever your console's time is. So you just set your console to 3 a.m. You can access the developer room. Very common notion. However, where this does get meddled, muddled up, and I actually have been guilty of time jumping before too, is when you time jump so much and then you try to get back to the same day, because correct me if I'm wrong, but Animal Crossing is a game where real world events take place over specific dates. So what happens if you want to participate in that date, but you just skipped ahead four days to get the tree and then you go back in time just to hit the date? You screw your game up. Here's my whole thing. Like if you're playing, if you're playing a game with a multiplayer and you cheat, let's say you're playing COD and you use some type of aimbot. Obviously that's wrong because you're ruining the experience for other people. That's wrong. You shouldn't do that. But if it's a single player game like Animal Crossing, like even though I'm not for the time jump thing, cause I think you're cheating yourself out of the experience. As long as it's only affecting you, I say go for it. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing it. Ooh, that's actually a, a pretty good point. And so that kind of actually solidifies my opinion on this question is, I don't think it is wrong to cheat in a single player game unless it affects somebody else. So like, obviously, and this is a very simplistic metaphor, but you and your buddy have a race to try to beat the new Crash Bandicoot or Halo or whatever. And all of a sudden, you know, your buddy beats the game in two hours because, you know, he put on like invincibility or, you know, just skipped ahead to the very last level. Right. Those bragging rights are ill-gotten. That is wrong. But... For me, and this also constitutes another question of what, what is defined as cheating in a single player game? Is it entering a cheat code? Is it looking up a walkthrough? Or is it moving your time forward ahead? I Well, to me, I would say D, all of the above would be considered cheating because you are not playing the game to the de developer's specifications. And right. so just based off of person to person, I look up walkthroughs for everything. I mean, I've been looking up walkthroughs what? for, yeah, I've been looking up walkthroughs for Paper Mario at certain points. <laughs> really? Yeah, just because I want to experience the game, but I also want to get through the game because, you know, as an adult, my time is very valuable and I don't want to spend two hours on a very simplistic puzzle where I'm missing just one key component. I mean, if it's a puzzle game like Bad Dream, I'm not going to look up a walkthrough for that because that's what it's geared towards. But in this instance, any of that could be considered cheating. But as long as you are OK with your experience in the game, that's all the justification you need, I believe. Zach, what do you think? I, I would just echo your guys' sentiments, honestly, at this point. I think in a game like Animal Crossing, you paid for the game, you paid your $60. Who cares what you do with it, right? Yeah. Um, but I can also see like, you know, like you go and show off this house that you built, but you clearly time traveled. I mean, now we're kind of in that gray area where you don't really know like when someone does something amazing or when someone cheated do something amazing. And so I could see where that makes a lot of people feel like, like, oh, I worked really hard for this. And all this guy did was he time skipped a few days and it worked out great. So I can see where there's that like, kind of like divide in a people. Right. I'm kind of pro, like, you bought the game, it's whatever you want to do with it. 
but I'm also a czar. Don't go like bragging off to your friends like you did something awesome if you didn't do it the right way. Yeah, that's fine because ultimately it's just important that you had fun. Like I said, as long as you're not ruining the experience for anybody else, it's your game. Another thing I wanted to say, what about what about games that actually want you to use cheat codes? Think of like Grand Theft Auto V, games that lay it out right in front of you. I was gonna bring those up too because those are some of my favorite games. You think maybe like 10, 15 years ago, I remember games such as Psychonauts where you would like spin around three times, do a backflip and then a somersault. And then all of a sudden you'd hear a disembodied voice going, you cheated. <laughs> and uh, to Conker's Bad Fur Day, where if you look at the fireplace on the home screen, you can talk to the little demon and enter a cheat code and he'll tell you if you're right or wrong. That is such a core component to video games because yes you are immersing yourself in this tiny world that is amazing and incredible yeah but it's not real and you have complete control of it and i think giving players the option to command those cheat codes or even you know on pc they're called command codes yeah not even cheat codes and i think those are an amazing quality to video games. And I think they should bring back the cheat game, the cheat screen for most most games. And if you guys remember to Jack 3, or maybe it was Jack, no, it was Jack 3. If you pick up all of the precursor eggs you and you hit certain milestones of precursor eggs, you just got a cheat to even Banjo-Kazooie where Cheeto would lay out a code that you would go put in in the game not even in a separate lobby it was a separate room within the game ah his name's cheetah i get it <laughs> cheeto the cheating book <laughs> what a dick but yeah no i think cheat the cheat screen is necessary and essential to games i love everything about it what about like games that are more like story driven whereas you know obviously games like grand theft auto 5 you know there's a story but more than anything, people just love just fucking around. That's why people really play Grand Theft Auto. What about games that are super story driven? Zach, I actually feel like this is aimed towards you a little bit because that's what Nintendo games are for the most part, are like super story driven games to where most of them don't even really have like an online multiplayer function. I honestly like, I can't remember the last time I cheated a Nintendo game. I kind of feel like a goody goody two shoes right now. Yeah, I mean, I beat Breath of the Wild 100% it. No. See, I kind of feel like you, you, when you brought up the Grand Theft Auto thing, like those things have just kind of like gone the way of the Dota. Like you really just don't see the need for them anymore, which I think is like kind of like sad almost because like I miss big head mode. Remember Jack 3 with the big head? You'd be all like, Whoa! <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to cheat your way through a story driven game, why not just watch it on YouTube? You know what I mean? That's, that's fair. Yeah, totally. I guess that's my two cents. But I mean, I don't know, maybe. I mean, you pay the 60 bucks, you do whatever you want, right? <laughs> At the risk of expanding this question even further, but like, what about the cheat codes that don't affect the game? So Zach, you said big head mode. In most games, that did not affect anything except cosmetics. But whereas in like 007 Goldeneye on the N64, big head mode also expanded enemy and your own uh hit radius so the bigger the oh. head the easier it was to hit the enemy so it where where does it where does the line get drawn between cheats that actually make the game easier yeah and cheats that are more cosmetic easter eggs than anything else if it's a if it's a cosmetic thing, who cares? It's all it's always going to be the same kind of person that can justify using cheat codes or like doing things that would be considered cheating in a game anyway. But it, I mean, at that point, that's just something silly to make your like game just a little bit more fun or whatever. If it's a cosmetic thing, I really don't care. And that is an interesting part of the question because I genuinely didn't think about that. I mean, like things that affect gameplay and story versus things that just, you know, haha, I look funny or whoa, look at this cheat. Like that's different. Jack 3 is actually a great example because it's got that built-in cheat code system within the game. And yeah, there was a big head mode and you know, there was, hell, there was a cheat code to take away Jack's beard. I'm like, wow, that's really stupid. Yeah, that was the worst cheat ever. Lose <laughs> Jack's facial facial hair. Yeah, what? 
That soul patch is the reason why I grew a soul patch. Oh, God. <laughs> I got a full beard now. Don't worry. <laughs> Quarantine beard. But at that same, like, cheat screen, isn't there's, like, modes to make, you know, like, your shots never miss a metalhead or an enemy or, like, your cars go faster, which, you know, some of the missions in the game are about racing. So, oh, yeah, Jack 3 was all racing. Yeah, exactly. So, like, cosmetic things... Who cares? But I mean, like anything that really affects gameplay or story, in my opinion, you're kind of cheating yourself out of the experience if you're not playing the game it was intended to be played. But at the same time, if you're okay with that, I'm okay with that, I guess is the final say on that. I, I have one last question to ask you, gents, and I don't have any point behind this question. I'm just curious. Did you guys ever cheese it to get 99 lives in the original Mario Brothers by jumping on the turtle shell on a staircase? Zach. Yes. You <laughs> cheated. <laughs> I wonder if I can use that sound effect without getting sued. Probably not. Wait, wait. I don't know. How's that cheating? That's just using a game mechanic. Ah. Uh, you wait. wanted me to walk into that. Do we even have any other questions or can we just talk about this all day? <laughs> we do have to move on, but that is an interesting <laughs> assertion from Mr. Bitch. Hey, don't say my last name on camera. I'm watching you. Oh, shit. You can you can just uh I'll let it out the censor censor bleep that. I'll just say Mr. Bitch. I would call that an exploit more than anything. But aren't exploits cheating? And with all that said, that's only question two, because that is a whole other question in itself. Oh my goodness, we're gonna have to revisit this one in, in another gaming's biggest question. <laughs> yeah, that was a really great, that was great. All right, so question two. Is there a problem with backlogs? Now, this was a question from Zach, and I wanted you to dive a little bit more into the question, Zach. What do you mean when you ask, is there a problem with backlogs? You only have so much time to play a video game. But you hear about your friends telling about all these great games. Like, I don't know, there might be a few good Sony games I want to play. Maybe that one good Xbox franchise I want to go dabble in. Then there's sales that happen. And I'm like, ooh, that game that I really want to try just went on sale. And next thing I know, I've got 10 games. And I'm like, which one do I play now? I get scared. I get, I get overwhelmed. You get scared. I'm scared. <laughs> Especially with you. Like, I thought my backlog was big with like, you know, I know we just did Tales from the Backlog, but beyond those three games, I've got like five to seven other games that have piled up. But you, oh my God. I've got 20. <laughs> yeah. How do you have so few, JP? I'm like in the same boat as Zach. I just, I, I see sales and I get games that I ultimately will never play and they just get backlogged. I'm at like 20 to 30 as well. That's not even including Steam. That's a great question, and I'm actually going to use the answer to your question to kind of answer, is there a problem with backlogs in general? Because, like, you're right. We're adults. We've got stuff going on. We've got jobs. Two of the three of us have girlfriends or wives or fiancés, and I'm lonely. <laughs> <laughs> you have Daphne. In Grayson. In <laughs> London. The point is, you really do, like, it's not like the old days where you could just play everything that your heart desired. You really have to do make sacrifices with, like, Okay, which game do I, honest to God, want to play more right now? Back when gameplay times were like eight to ten hours total with Pre no replayability. <laughs> yeah, precisely. And nowadays it's not like that, especially with how games are becoming so open world. So you have to make the decision, what game am I going to play? And you make the decision, okay, like I'm going to play these games. And in turn, maybe I'll go and watch a YouTuber or a streamer play one of these other games that I had a vested interest in. But, you know, maybe because it got to the back of the backlog, it wasn't to me top priority for playing. Because that's the other problem with backlogs. Backlogs for gaming wouldn't be a problem if you made the commitment of like actually ordering them in like, okay, so I bought this game in September. So therefore I'm gonna play this game before I buy these games I bought in October. That's not how it works out because stuff gets kerfluffled and you push games back and some games forward. It's a mess. See, that's where I, I I'm in a weird spot because I keep blaming like the other games. Like, so I'm into Smite right now and Smite's like free to play. And they have this really big avatar update. And that has really set me back, guys. Like, I love it. I'm having <laughs> a good time. 
And I, I finally like come to terms with this, but like I was really struggling because I'm like, I'm a very tit for tat person. I saved my money. And now I'm at a point in my life where I can like finally buy what I want. And I guys, I'm going a little crazy. <laughs> I keep seeing stuff on sale and I was like, oh, it's too much power for Zach. It's too much <laughs> shit. It was 99 cents. And so I was feeling guilty. And so like while I was trying to play my games through my backlogs, I wasn't enjoying them. Like that's my thing right now is like, I'm so stressed out about getting through my backlog. Am I actually enjoying the games that I'm playing? Ah, uh, it felt like a chore, like something you just had to do. I'm so glad you said that, Zach, because I've been feeling the same way lately, and I was a little afraid it was just me. That makes a lot of sense. You are absolutely right. I have, like, getting through Paper Mario and the Origami King, a delightful game. I have loved everything about the game, but the whole time it's kind of nagging me like, oh, you got to get through this. You got to get through this. Why is this taking so It's a long game. People were crapping on it. There's a it lot is. going on. Yeah, no, it's it's so true. I've been grinding to try to crank Paper Mario out so I can get to my backlog game. But hey, and I have not been enjoying the last bit of Paper Mario because of it. Yeah, I took a break from Paper Mario. I'm like, I'm just going to go play Smite until I can reevaluate myself because like, you know, we spent good money on these games and it's like, why am I trying to rush through them? Like what? To play the next game. It's a problem. It really is a problem. And see, I'll even have a, a problem when I finish a game and then move on to my backlog and I'll just go through my entire library and be like, none of this looks good to play because it's so overwhelming. Like I haven't started 10 different games and I'm like, well, I could start this, but then there's a lot of rigmarole and I have to go through this open world and all that stuff. And then nothing sounds fun to play. So I'll play one of my time waster games for the next three days, like Binding of Isaac. Oh, I feel that. And here's another interesting question I wanted to bring up to you guys. As podcasters of video games, do you feel like there's a little pressure to put like the newer games to the front of your backlog in order to stay topical to what's going on? Oh, absolutely, because I can't sit around playing Alice Madness Returns or like uh, Dota 2 and make any headway in anything relevant in today's time. Like you have to stay focused on what is new, which is really overwhelming. I'll say a little callback to Joe Rogan right there with the <laughs> Zarst comments. <laughs> I definitely feel like. It's a little bit of a struggle. Like I'm trying to get into Bioshock. I'm like, you guys are just hyping this game up. It's one of the best games of all time. And I kind of feel like I missed the train. Like I feel like if this was 2000, well, it's going 2006. Yeah, 2006 or seven, somewhere in there. 2006 me would have shit his pants at this game. But 2020 me has played Breath of the Wild. He's played like over, I'm trying to think of like a good shooter game that I can compare it Bioshock to. Um, but Bioshock is kind of its own thing still. But like I played great RPG shooters before. Um, and so it's just sitting here like some of these mechanics feel like I just don't know how to play it because I don't know, gaming was so much different almost 20 years ago. It was such an, a, a simplistic, archaic gaming style that you're just so used to having like 20 other things happening on screen that that you're reacting to. And in this game, it's just like reload, shoot, interact. And that's it. Yeah, and so I feel like, I don't know, I play the game, feel like I'm doing something wrong. I'm like, what? what's going on? No, you're not. It? It's just archaic. You've just been desensitized to primitive gaming, essentially. I'm used to pretty colors everywhere. Instant <laughs> gratification. I need it. <laughs> That's, and I mean, like, it could be a mix of it's just not your kind of game either, you know, like. That's another thing with backlogs. It's like, it's different if like you play a game and like, you're like, okay, I've put a decent amount of time into this game and I'm just not enjoying it as much as I thought I should, as I would, or as I should be. So, you know, I'm going to push something up that's been waiting that I think I'd enjoy more. I don't think there's necessarily a problem with doing that. Like, Zach, please don't get mad at me. <laughs> that's exactly what I did to Xenoblade Chronicles. <gasps> yeah but i put in 15 hours i put in 15 hours drop in the bucket we're all just trying to hurt each other at this point <laughs> damn jp really is mad he attacked my baby <laughs> no i'm really it's not that i didn't like it it's just that i looked at the backlog i was playing xenoblade and i'm like this is a good time but there's other stuff that i think i'd have a better time playing so here is my official stance on the backlog. Uh, completely aside from gamers, for the companies, 
backlogs are fantastic. It oh. doesn't matter how many people play your game, but how many people buy it. And so that could be mirrored to the player where backlogs are bad or backlogs are bad because you are essentially wasting your money on games that you'll never play. However, I personally think that backlogs are good when they are managed correctly. JP, I wish I had your backlog. <laughs> I would feel less anxious with your <laughs> backlog, but I have games like White Knight and Zombie, which is a free roaming zombie game in London. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. Like just random games that I will never touch. But what I love about my backlog is when I have friends over and I'm like, hey, you want to check out what's in my library? Let's see if anything tickles your fancy. And there'll be like three to six games that they're just like, I've never seen that before. I'm like, well, I've never touched that before. So let's give it a try. Yeah. I don't know. Backlogs can be very occasionally great, but also don't let the backlog pile up on you. Don't don't be Zach and I. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we um, asked this question. I feel like we came up with like more. We, we asked more questions to clarify and we got more down this rabbit hole. Backlogs are pretty tricky, but definitely don't be like me and like try and speed run through your games. Like you play games to have fun. And I don't know, it took me it took me way too long to like I had to recheck myself. And like you, you, you do video games to have fun. You don't do it to like speed through it. Oh, so yeah. even though like I do this for a job, I think this kind of relates back to JP saying try and stay like topical. Yeah, you're trying to have fun here. Like even this is this is my job kind of like job in quotes because it's a pretty fun job. And low key, that's also what's great about our little uh, about the three of us is like, you know, we give each other shit for the PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo thing all the time. But it's easier for us to stay on top of everything because the three of us have such a diverse taste in video games. Like even if you took a look at our personal backlogs, I don't know if any of us would have the same game. And isn't that kind of cool to think about, actually? I don't think any of you have the games I have. <laughs> I, I know I don't have the game Zar has. <laughs> I don't, yeah, Zar. Yeah, oh my God. Do you guys have Emily Wants to Play? All right, question three time? Question three time. <laughs> All right, Zach got question one. I got question two. Zar, what is question three? Ooh, I love that you give me this one. I, I couldn't take it. You know I couldn't take it. <laughs> I'm so excited to have this one. So, Sony is catching a lot of flack recently for being anti-consumer by making it so that your PlayStation 4 controller doesn't work on PlayStation 5 games. And especially with... Uh, this, this question is very relevant with Xbox boasting that their controller works for basically all of their systems. Sure. So what do you guys think? Zach, you go first. <laughs> you scared? Oh, do you want me to go first? Mr. PlayStation. <laughs> Listen here, guys. I hate PlayStation as much as anyone else here. <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you at the end of the day, if PlayStation stops making money, we're not gonna get any games for play from PlayStation. So they're gonna do stuff that involves them making money. And if they just spent four to five years developing a fucking controller so that you can enjoy it, you best believe they're gonna shove that controller down your throat. I don't I don't know what's the people thinking like they're entitled to use their PS4 controller in their PS5 games. Could you use your PS2 controller on your PS3 games, JP? No. I feel like it's I feel like it's always been this way. I never I am buy a switch thinking, I guess I can use my GameCube controller on my switch, but that costs me a purple. But you have to buy the yeah, you gotta get the dongles and it's never been like a, I don't know. I, I just feel like people are just kind of being weird right now. Because it's like, why are you getting upset that a business is trying to make money off of you? I think I skipped a step there. I feel like I went step one, step two, skip, skip three, went step four, but. Profit. Profit. <laughs> Someone help me with my words here, but I'm kind of like, I'm drawing a blank because I want to crap on Sony, but I'm sitting here like, yeah, they want to make money. Like, sorry. I absolutely agree with you. Coming from the Xbox guy of this podcast, Sony should not have any concern or any complaints about this because really in the history of gaming, how many times were controllers backwards compatible? 
Nintendo is the exception with the Wii because they just basically wanted you to use all Nintendo products. But like Xbox, yeah, you can't even use Xbox 360 controllers on the Xbox One. This is oh, is that true? I thought you could for some reason. No, wow. no. Um, you can use basically any gamepad that's wireless uh, through USB connection to play on PC. No, the Xbox One did not support backwards compatible controllers, at least from my many, many, many years of playing Xbox. I never found that setting. And if it is there, it was not easy to find. And you probably had to get some dongles. So I don't understand why Sony is, is catching flack for that. They want to improve and make a better controller for you. Like, fucking deal with it, people. <laughs> you know what's really funny and ironic about this whole thing is you two are not Sony people and you're saying that Sony should just, you know, that people should suck it up and Sony's doing the right thing here. And I'm on the fence about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just think that's okay. So part of PlayStation's last, not the most recent event there, um, the big gameplay event that they had about a month and a half ago now. Their big thing, along with how great the console looked, is they were boasting that this controller is the most advanced controller that they've ever made, and that it's gonna have new features that other PS4 controllers did not have, that is gonna enhance the gameplay for the players. It's one of those cases where I think what's good for business is also actually good for the consumer. Um, you know, because like, the PlayStation 5 controller is extremely advanced. They put some cool, stuff into this controller and the fact is that the game developers are going to actually be keeping that in mind when they're developing games from now on you know how the playstation 5 controller is going to feel and what it can do and what it can do to help immerse the gamer into the world yeah you're not just making a game for the console and the tv you're making a game for the controller as well and do you want to play on a past gen controller or the next gen controller that has an increased reaction time. Do you want to shoot faster and be able to react quicker or be able to save like 50 to 60 bucks because you love your special skin controller? And that's where that's where like I think all three of us are on the same page. But and this is this is just my opinion. I don't personally see a huge problem with letting people use the PlayStation 4 controllers if they know that they're losing out on part of the experience by doing so. I, I see what you're saying and abs absolutely, but like, I don't know, like, as a developer, like what if you have an event that uses your PS5 controller and you can't proceed until you use the controller the right way? Yeah, because with new settings on the new controller, it's really not that that big of a leap of logic to assume that a previous gen controller that doesn't have the new bells and whistles won't work on the new hardware. Yeah, and you're right. It's just it was just a general thought and the reason why I think that way is because like people are already about to drop so much goddamn money on the PlayStation 5 and its peripherals cuz they didn't just have the great looking console and the controller. They also introduced a bunch of other peripherals that they, you know, like the charging dock, the headset, the remote if that's how you like to, you know, use PlayStation View to watch TV and all these accessories. DVD player DVD, shut up. <laughs> Blu-ray player to you. <laughs> Ooh. All I'm saying is that like, if you were a big PlayStation guy, you're about to, you know, and that's not including games either, by the way, you know, come this holiday season, you could be dropping, you know, up to six to $700 on the console, plus like a controller and some of the peripherals you want and a game. It's like, I don't know, maybe just let him use the PlayStation 4 controller. No, I don't I, know. The, I mean, but, if you use, if you play a PS4 game that's backwards compatible with your PS5, you should really use your PS4 controller with that since it's Bluetooth to Bluetooth. I, I think that makes sense. But like, I don't know. I can see developers having a hard time being like, well, do I just say screw the PS5 controller? Which would make Sony really mad because Sony's like, we just put all these little tidbits in the PS5 controller. Use the PS5 controller. You know what? I came out, I came out swinging for the PlayStation 4 controller a little bit, but I mean, you two are honestly making some great points. It's just, it's hard to justify like letting people use the controller when you know that the PlayStation 5 controller 
is going to be so much better and actually contribute more to the games you're playing. It, that's really what it's going to be. I mean, with the haptic feedback, the built-in microphone, the built-in sound system, you're going to get a stellar experience playing your games with this controller. And I'd hate for you to miss out on that. Absolutely. And I know I compared Xbox at the beginning of this, but just take a close look at a comparison of both controllers. And what does the Xbox controller do? It's got a dedicated share button and that's it. Whoopee. Then yeah, take whatever, take as many controllers to however many generations as you want if you're just improving reaction time, button layout, and hand conformity. Like the addition of a, a share button, that is not enough to justify keeping it as a sole controller for that generation of console. But that's where PlayStation differs because they put so much extra work in what goes into your hands when you right. experience games. Right, yeah. Like you hear the game noises from your controller. That is insane. I remember when I picked up a PlayStation 4 controller for the first time and it vibrated and I heard like a, a sword swinging noise. I was terrified. I dropped the controller, but it was <laughs> so cool. And so gamers out there should not be angry about the PlayStation 4 controller not working on the PlayStation 5. And they should not compare it to the Xbox because by all comparison, the Xbox controller is vastly primitive when compared to Sony's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? <laughs> am I wrong? No, I mean, that's where PlayStation, that was a selling point for a lot of people when it was the last, uh, you know, version of the console war where it was like PlayStation 4 versus the Xbox One. I think that Xbox has the most comfortable controller, if that makes sense. But I think PlayStation really took it next level with imagining what their controllers could do. Now, by oh, yeah. no no means are they Nintendo levels, but <laughs> I was gonna say I'm I'm uh I'm used to this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like you know you go from the Wii to the to the Wii U where you had to use a stupid freaking Wiimote, the Wii tablet. Oh I mean. dear God, what was that? What was uh, happening with the Wii U? That thing single handedly like gave me like five to ten extra years of uh, carpal tunnel syndrome on my hands. That thing single handedly almost bankrupted an entire company. <laughs> 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 Screw you guys. <laughs> and now I'm at the Switch where I had to buy new controllers again. So the good news is sometimes they let stuff work for it. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like we've beaten this one, guys. I feel like we kind of like on the same side of this one. We went through a lot of those a lot quicker than we anticipated. So we're putting a fourth question into this bad boy. And it's one that all three of us has talked about quite a bit. Should remakes and remasters be eligible for the Game of the Year award every year? Ooh, that's a that's a tricky question. Now, this originally came up with one of the friends of the podcast. Actually, I was having a conversation with him about it one day. Oh, because God, was it Peaches? It was Peaches. It's always Peaches. It's always Peaches. <laughs> <laughs> well, what tri what triggered the conversation was him and I were talking about the backlash after The Last of Us Part Two came out and kind of what it was going to do for the game awards. And I made the, and he basically said, well, you know, we all thought it was going to be The Last of Us Part Two. We'll see if that's still true or not. I don't think it is anymore. If it's not going to be The Last of Us Part Two, what would it be? I started kind of naming a few games I thought might be eligible, one of them being the Final Fantasy VII remake. And he said, well, a remake shouldn't be eligible for Game of the Year. And we, I was like, you know what? That's an interesting question, actually. And that's how we got here. And, and we bolstered that before. We've talked about Final Fantasy VII being on the docket. We could talk about how crazy of a story The Last of Us Part Two is on its own. <laughs> we already have. <laughs> I, I know I promised I'd put it to bed, but I'm still mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, fine. I'm done. I'm done. Okay, so I find this question incredibly interesting because uh, I don't know, I don't want to say this is right, but last year we saw the first remaster on the Game of the Year docket, and that was Resident Evil 3. Or no, was it 2? I don't remember if it was either of those games. Was Resident Evil a candidate? Resident Evil 2 was definitely a candidate. It yeah, was like it a, was, it was super hype. It was Resident Evil 2 that was, yep, yep, that's right, because Resident Evil 3 hasn't. It got a lot of flack for being too short. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So Resident Evil 2, it didn't win, yeah. <laughs> but it was on the docket. And honestly, I it had it had my vote, but I also see a very, very strong nagging point that that is, well, these games have already been done. They've had their time. If they were really that great, why didn't they win Game of the Year that year that they originally came out? It's really interesting that you say that. Uh, Zach, what do you think? I feel like I've just been very like, this is the way, but I just, I'm, I'm right on this one, guys. You gotta hear me out here. This okay? is the way. Um, <laughs> if a game is so good that everyone's talking about it, why would it not be considered game of the year? Why, I, why would anyone care if, and this is like hypothetical, Xenoblade Chronicles, like back when it came out in 20, uh, 2012 in America. Yeah, 2012 at this point. Wow. It was considered one of the best games ever, but it was still in the Wii when we were getting close to like, um, I think the Xbox. Anyway, it's the very tail end of the Wii. And so it kind of got shouted for like game of the year, even though it was like everyone talked about it, it was like a critical success, all this yada yada. Now it comes out again. And like, why would it not be considered for game of the year for this year when they re-updated it and remastered it? Um, if it can compete with a bunch of 2020 games that came out this year, which honestly, I don't think it's going to compete this year, like even a little bit, um, because there's just so many good games like that are much more up to date with this, um, 2020 games that are like, have eight more years of passion and love into them. And you know what? I, I don't know how I'm trying to say this, but like, just, you have more current hardware that's more powerful. Yeah. Uh, if it can still compete with those games, it should absolutely be considered up there. And I think Zara made the perfect thing um, with Resident Evil 2. Like they pretty much redid like Resident Evil 2 still the same story beats, but like the gameplay was changed. The graphics were like popping. The sound was off the chart. Yeah, I would almost argue that it was a reboot. The only thing that really makes it a remaster is that the story was exactly the same. Right. And I mean, like we can get, I think we already did debate about the remake versus remaster. Yeah. But um, just the, the thing about it that if it's going to compete and like everyone's having fun, it's one of those great games everyone's going to be talking about. Why, why shouldn't it be in there? Like what, what discounts it as a game? That's also a very good point. And I, I would like to say that like remakes and reboots should probably be taken off the question because those could be for all intents and purposes considered new games. Like, um, the rebooted Fable game, if that has absolutely nothing to do with Fable's original story, that is by all rights, a new game for an old franchise. And those should be considered easily for game of the year. Remasters, on the other hand, I guess my official opinion would, would be if it can stand the test of time and it can compete with completely original IPs, then yeah, it's fair game. They should be labeled for game of the year if applicable because it's hard. Like the Destroy All Humans uh, remaster, because that's not a reboot. They labeled it a reboot, but it is a remaster. That one will never be on the docket for game of the year because it can't compete. It's lost to the test of time. It is archaic. Resident Evil 2 took a game from the 90s and made it modern and terrifying the entire way through. Loved Resident Evil 2, by the way. And so that one, that was solidified and should have been on the docket for Game of the Year. So I, my official stance is if the game can compete with what's going on in today's time, let it be on the docket. That's a, and that's a really great opinion. Um, the examples I used when I was talking about this with our buddy was essentially this. So just as a hypothetical situation, the last of the first last of us was remastered only a year after the original came out because it was originally made for the PlayStation three and then it was remastered so that it could come to the PlayStation four. I didn't even realize that they remastered the last of us. They did. The last huh. of us originally came out on the PS three and then was remastered one year later, just so that it would look good on the PlayStation four hardware. It was a, it was a weird situation. More you know. Yeah, but it's weird because now we've got this game where there's only been a year between its original release and its remaster. Well, the question was essentially, would it be fair for The Last of Us 
to, you know, let's say it won game of the year the year before. Would it be fair to be up again the very next year just because it had a remastered version? My answer to that would be absolutely not. That wouldn't be fair. The compromise that I honestly came up with him, and I think this is a great compromise, by the way, because obviously with the game awards, there's way more awards than just game of the year. You know, like there's best sound and engineering. There's, you know, the best graphics, the best story, the best, you know, game of the year is just whatever game hit all of those marks the best. Um, but there's still individual categories for all those things. Oh, yeah. Well, like you said, Game or God of War won Game of the Year, but Red Dead Redemption 2 took home the most awards that night. So really, who was the winner? Exactly. <laughs> so the compromise I made is, well, what if The Last of Us part, what if The Last of Us was in the Game Awards again, but it wasn't up for the same award? Like, let's say the year before it was up for Game of the Year, and even if it lost, it shouldn't be up for game of the year next year, even with its remaster. But maybe The Last of Us was up for like the best sound engineering for the year or best voice acting in a game. And it wasn't it wasn't up for that award the year pr prior. I think it should be able to stay eligible for those awards. Well, as long as it is actually the best sound engineering or the best voice acting, then sure, it should win because if if the last of us for the masterpiece that it is is up against a bunch of crap because we've had some years where there just nothing good came out absolutely zero good came out then yeah it 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 should by all rights deserve that if it did come out that year um i wouldn't necessarily go so far as to give them separate categories like have a nostalgic game of the year where only remakes and reboots are eligible. But I, I I think you make a lot of good points with that. So that was for remasters and remakes. Zach actually really hit the mark, if you ask me. I think there should be very little restrictions on remakes of games for winning Game of the Year. Like, f the Game Awards weren't around in 94, but if Final Fantasy VII won that year, I think its remake should be perfectly eligible in 2020. Because at this point, it's just a new game. It's got a new story. It's got a new coat of paint on it. Okay, it doesn't completely have a new story, but it's like, it's changed enough about what's going on where I think you could justify giving it, you know, the ability to be eligible for those awards. And I'm really glad you said that because I, I made this point when we talked about Final Fantasy VII before. This is a new game to different people, to the new generation this is a new game they don't i mean yeah they may know and have been told that this was based and uh made from a game that came out like 20 years ago right but for them this is a new game that's 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 all that needs to be said about that zach what do you think well as you keep telling me how smart and great my opinion was i think i'm right thank you thank you very much that that's it no nothing else to <laughs> add on <laughs> Zach's like, you're right. I am great. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell me more? Tell me more. Tell me more about myself, please. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I think we hit the nail on the head really good. Um, I like JP. JP, I like where you. Yeah, I just like JP. I just Sorry. like JP. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty sweet. I like Zara too. He's pretty cool. No, but I like how we talked about we could maybe make a different category or I guess Zara talked about the nostalgia category even. Which, by the way, is not a bad idea. It's just kind of tricky. I mean, with how many remakes and remasters we have today, that category could be very applicable. <laughs> I think that's a great idea, to be honest. I know. I think there is it's not ever going to be like cut and dry, like Final Fantasy seven remake. Yes, that should definitely be considered for game of the year. They did almost they literally changed everything about the game that it really should be called Final Fantasy seven point or two or something like that. <laughs> point five, continuing the Kingdom Hearts trend. <laughs> oh, my right, God. Right. But like Last of Us, the remastered one, even think of that one. Like, no, that shouldn't count again, in my opinion, because all I did was give it a resolution bump and maybe fix some of the bugs. I wasn't totally sure on that one. So I, I just feel like there's never going to be like that nice like line that we want to where it'll like eliminate some of the controversy that'll come with it. 
let's be real. We live for the controversy anyway. That's why we're a podcast. Oh, yeah, we love controversy. I feel like we walk the line all the time. <laughs> like, what's funny is, like, another part of the conversation I had with this guy was he asked me, do you think Animal Crossing could win a game of the year? And I said, I don't think Animal Crossing could win game of the year because the casual crowd that likes Animal Crossing versus the kind of people that would actually go vote in the game awards they're not usually they don't usually overlap too often you know like people like us are going to be the people who love animal crossing and also give a shit about the game awards but at the same time what's great about the game awards is that it's voted on by the gamers so if animal crossing did win i wouldn't give a shit and just like that if final fantasy 7 remake won i'm like you know what i don't give a shit a remake of a game one it was the best game that year according to the majority of people that's fair and that's all i have to say about that gg i'm glad <laughs> that all of my responses were 100 correct and um i'm sure our viewers when you <laughs> i didn't say that <laughs> and when our viewers post they will echo my sentiments i cannot wait I'm not actually sure we came any to any solidified consensus to any of these questions. Objection! You cheated! I'm JP. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, JP, if you don't put this up in the poll so I can see what our viewers think, I'll punch you in the throat. Oh, no, not my throat. Not my throat. Funny story. I used to think GG was people telling me to get good. So I'd be on Rocket League and someone would be like, GG, man. I'm like, what the fuck you say to me? I just beat you. How can I get better? <laughs> GG. All right. Guys, I think we did an excellent job of answering gaming's biggest questions. Um, obviously, it's all arbitrary. It's all up in the air, but we always have a good time. And just like the Game of the Year awards, we want to hear what you guys decide. Uh, yell at us. Yell at us. Tell us what you think in the comments on the tweet. I seriously. Scream it from the rafters of Twitter. I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad. You guys are stupid. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Especially that Nintendo guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Screw everybody bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And JP's the most good looking. No. No, nobody. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, that's it. I've had enough of getting my feelings hurt in this episode. So what do you say we wrap it up, boys? <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of the Game Tea Podcast. We will see you in the next episode. You just got your game tea. Bye.